Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. When I was 10, my mom, stepdad, sister, and I lived on a 10-house cul-de-sac right off of a very busy street in our small home city of Mandeville, Louisiana, about 30 minutes across the Causeway Bridge from New Orleans. One warm summer afternoon, I was playing outside in the front yard with our weenie dog, who was such a barker that we actually named him Woofitz. Anyway, Woofitz and I were playing out front around maybe 5 p.m. or so, so it was still light out. I was wrapped up in chasing my pooch around the yard, so I didn't notice a black sedan pulling up in front of my house at first. The sound of the car's parking gear is what keyed me into its presence. Just as a middle-aged man that I had never seen before got out of the driver's seat and started walking towards me. Without even a greeting, this guy began asking me if Gary was here. This caught me off guard because nobody named Gary lived in my house, or even this entire neighborhood. Like I said, my family had one of the ten houses on this block, and we pretty much knew all of our neighbors. I responded by telling him that I didn't know anyone by that name around here, and that he may have his locations mixed up. But as I'm telling him this, he continues to walk closer and closer to me, asking if I would just hop in his car real quick and help him find Gary's house. With each step he takes, he's going deeper into his story about how Gary is one of his teenage son's friends and that he was unable to get a hold of him, but he was sure that he lived nearby. I repeatedly told the guy no and that I didn't know anything that would help him. Keep in mind, Woofitz is going berserk through this entire interaction and causing a bit of a ruckus. As this man gets to about 10 feet from me, He's now got his hand out, attempting to coax me into his grasp, all the while pleading with me to get into his car. That's when my mother, who was inside making dinner at the time, stormed out the front door to see what had our dog so up in paws. The instant that our screen door hit the wall of our porch, my mom began yelling at Woofitz to stop barking. That's when that man glanced up and caught eyes with my mother. Before she could get another word from her mouth, he turned tail and hopped right back into the car before speeding off towards the main street, screeching his tires all the way down the road. My mom came down to the front yard, knelt in front of me, and with more than just a touch of worry in her voice, asked me what had happened. I told her that Woofitz and I were playing when that man pulled up and asked me to help him find Gary. I remember I could barely finish that explanation before my mom pulled me in for a big hug and ushered me back inside our home. After that day, I wasn't allowed to play outside without an adult present anymore. You'd think that would be the end of this story, right? But no. For the next week, every afternoon around 4.30pm, that same sedan would be on our street in some capacity, either driving down the street slowly parked in front of our neighbor's house, or brazenly parked across our driveway. 
This is something that I noticed because our living room window faced the street. And since I wasn't allowed outside for playtime like before, I had the perfect vantage point while watching afternoon cartoons. I pointed this out to my parents, and they ended up reporting it to the police, but like so many other stories here, nothing ever came of it. After that week, I don't believe I ever saw that car or that man again. Ten-year-old me wondered why he kept coming back. I told him there was no Gary here. But 33-year-old me knows that he was coming back looking for another chance to try and lure me into his car. Alarm bells weren't sounding as he got closer to me that day, and I'd hate to think what could have happened if my mom didn't come out that door when she did. I know it would have been big trouble for little me, though. I was 18 years old and worked in a mall clothing store. I usually worked the night shift, which meant leaving the store between 9 and 9.30 p.m. None of us thought anything about calling out goodnight and walking out to our cars alone. Usually the parking lot was full of all the other workers leaving at the same time. On this particular night, I was in a great mood. I had had a good evening at work and was going to meet up with my boyfriend when I got home. So I was just smiling and thinking to myself as I walked. I got to the curb in front of the mall exit door to check for oncoming cars before I crossed over to where my car was parked. It wasn't that far away, maybe 10 spaces from the front. When I glanced up to verify where my car was, I caught the eyes of a man sitting in his truck. He was wearing a cowboy hat that was pulled down low over his eyes, as though trying to conceal his face but I could tell that he was staring intently, right back at me. I froze in place, and I have never felt fear like I did in that very moment. I snapped out of my trance, and ran as fast as I could past this truck, and to my car which was only spaces away. This was a little bit before key fob, so I needed my keys to unlock the door. I had always made fun of scary movies, when the girl ran and dropped the keys trying to get in but it really does happen that way. I was shaking badly, and I could not get the key in the door, and then I dropped the damn things. I felt like I was in a bad movie, when, seconds later, I made it into the car and still found myself shaking. I had to sit there for a moment or two before I could safely drive off. This man didn't chase me. He didn't leave, but he continued to sit there as I exited. Later in the evening, after I'd finally calmed down, I felt like an idiot, thinking I had gotten scared of someone's husband picking them up after work. The next day, I went back to work, same night shift, and told everyone at work what had happened and how scared I had been. I made fun of myself for being such a chicken, but I made sure that someone walked out with me later that night. I stood at the door of the mall, ready to run back in if I saw anything off, but that man and his truck weren't there. I exhaled, and my friend and I went to our cars, relieved that everything was okay. The following day at work, there was no talk of my fright from two nights previous, and it was business as usual. About halfway into my shift, the manager of my store walks up to me and said that she needed to speak with me. She turned around and walked up to a cop that I had not noticed was in the store. 
Curious, I walked over and my manager wanted me to tell the cop about what had happened a few nights previous. I felt silly telling him for some reason, because nothing had really happened. When I finished telling him my story, he started asking questions about the truck. Did I know what model it was? Exact color? Did I have an idea of the year? I finally said something about I didn't want to get anyone in trouble and that I had just freaked out a little bit, but it was no big deal. The cop then explained that the night before, one of the ladies leaving for the evening had been kidnapped, driven around to the back of the mall into an unlit area, and was both beaten and raped. I felt myself getting lightheaded, and my vision went black for a moment, with it dawning on me that I had seen that rapist. My description of the truck matched the description of the victim. Her guy was not wearing a cowboy hat, and that was the only difference in our descriptions. That was only the beginning. We learned only a few days later that our city now had a serial rapist on the loose, and it took the authorities years to finally catch him. Turns out, this guy's wife figured out it was her husband and turned him in. That was a scary time, and women were terrified to be out alone after dark. At our mall, and I imagine in other places as well, no one was allowed to leave alone. The mall parking lot was now lit up 360 degrees, and they had security on site making sure that we were all safe. All of us mall workers started a chain call between the stores to let one another know if you saw anyone that looked suspicious or were frightened so that everyone else would be on guard. Even to this day, and regardless of what anybody else has told me, I still feel guilty for that woman being attacked. Twenty-one years old and female here. I don't know how long this story will be. It took me about four days to be able to actually type this one out. I got weird mini-anxiety attacks when I tried. I'll be the first to admit that in the past, I've had a very can't-happen-to-me type complex. Although I think this story kind of shook that out of me. I'm a university student, and I live in a rental house with five other people. It's far from ideal, but in this housing-challenged world that we're living in, it takes that sting off of us having to pay a bunch of money a month to exist in a box. This has relevancy, I swear. I got extremely lucky last weekend when my five roommates were all out for the weekend. This has never happened, so I was ecstatic to have the house all to myself. I did all the 21-year-old girl home alone stuff you can think of, watching movies with the volume loud taking long-ass showers, walking around the house without a bra, etc., etc. It was around 10 p.m. Friday night. I had finished some homework and was relaxing with a glass of wine and watching some streaming services. From my comfy spot on the couch, it sounded briefly like there was something moving on the porch. We've had a fox in our front yard before, and the thing used to make a lot of noise on the porch, so I assumed that to be the case. After hearing some fumbling around for the second time, I went over to check through the window, but I didn't see a thing. As I'm turning to head back to the living room, a piece of cement flies through our kitchen window, although at the moment, I had no idea that it was cement. I think I peed myself a little bit when it happened, 
but I definitely screamed like the little girl at heart that I am. My moronic ass started unlocking the door to go outside, but common sense seized control of me again, and I quickly relocked the door. I also ran to the back door to make sure that it was still locked, even though it's glass and wouldn't make a difference. Oddly enough, at this time my grandma's words came into my head about something her own mother had told her. If someone tries breaking into your house, turn the lights off. You know the inside of your house much better than they do. I shut the lights off in the living room and managed to turn the TV off, which was especially hard because my hands were shaking. My dad used to give me and my siblings advice on protection measures, although these were not resonating with me at the time. I secured myself in my upstairs bedroom and had turned all of the lights out in the house as I passed them. While walking up the stairs, I could hear the doorknob shaking furiously on the front door. I don't know if there was more than one person trying to get in, or if they realized they couldn't jump the fence to get into the backyard. While using speakerphone to call for emergency services, I secured my hunting knife to the end of my hockey stick with hot pink duct tape. I know, that's probably one of the most Canadian things I could say. If I was going to have to use it, at least it would look fabulous. I stayed in the dark, holding my makeshift spear for what was probably about 15 minutes, alone in my dark room, facing the door, with my hunter's knife attached to my Easton stick. The operator told me the police were coming, which they eventually did. It took a very unsettling amount of time to get there. The only reason I left my bedroom in the first place was because I heard knocking on the door downstairs and saw the police lights flashing through the window. Otherwise, someone would have had to come in and physically pull me out of that room. Statement was given, but that's all they did. Literally, all they did. I think we get this picture in our mind that there's going to be dusting for fingerprints and caution tape and things like that, but I now know that's strictly Hollywood stuff. A very nice female officer stayed with me in the house and helped me clean up the glass until my brother showed up to bring me to his place for the rest of the weekend. So, shout out to Officer Cutie with the tattoos. I made an appointment with a doctor to get on anxiety medicine, as well as medicine for some nightmares that I'm having. I know that now I'm not in any sort of physical danger, but I've had some very charming dreams about similar scenarios, and I was just finding it easier to stay awake. Maybe that's juvenile of me, but I'm only human. Meds are working fine, and I'm back at my house, with wall-to-wall -wall people again. And honestly, I can't say that I hate it so much anymore.